Hello and welcome back to the Inner Network podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by the lovely Charlotte Pinar, the founder of Everyday Humans, a newly launched direct-to-consumer brand that makes comfy, planet-friendly sunscreen for all humans. Charlotte is passionate about sustainability and inclusivity and Everyday Humans was created with the belief that sunscreen should be for all humans and the foundation of all skincare routines. Everyday Humans combines good for you formulas and good for the planet packaging at everyday prices. We talk more about what sets Everyday Humans apart, the intricacies of chemical versus physical sunscreen, and how she navigates the industry as a self-funded founder. As always, you can find all of the links in the show notes, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Charlotte. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hey, Kayla. I'm super excited to get to hang out with you. Yeah, I'm so excited to sit down. I have so many questions to ask you. But before we get started, I always love to ask what you're most looking forward to this week. Oh, we're actually about to launch with Target in four days. So I'm really looking forward to having our products finally in stores. We're going to be launching in 717 stores on January 31st. So that is going to be one of those pinch me moments, I think. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, congratulations first and foremost. And, you know, I wish I was able to go see everyday humans in store. Unfortunately, we don't have a target here in Canada, but I'm sure the next time I'm in the States, I'll definitely pop by and take a look at it. For sure. So before we get started in talking about everyday humans, I'd love to get more information on your background and really how that led you to starting everyday humans. Sure. Um, So I'm from Hong Kong and I graduated from New York University with a degree in economics and pre-business. I had a pretty traditional career uh, at the very beginning of my life. I worked briefly in equity capital markets at investment banks, Macquarie and Credit Suisse. And after a couple of years, I realized it's really not for me. And at 27, I really decided to take the plunge and join a startup. And since then, I've moved away from corporate life. So in the past couple of years, I've done a couple of non-traditional stuff from building social commerce uh, communities within an app. I created a magazine. I sold digital billboard ad spaces. I also worked in operations and marketing and distributions for indie fashion and beauty brands. So I found that after doing all these crazy things, I was like, oh, I really found that my strength and passion are in entrepreneurship and young customers. So I really truly enjoy building companies on the zero to one level from the ground up and seeing products in customers' hands. So I chose to build a you know universal and accessible brand to address sort of like multiple countries, multiple ethnicities and multiple skin color because I guess like of my background, like I've just been traveling and moving around so much and I realized, you know, like I needed to build something that speaks to me. And hence, mm-hmm. like I created a brand called Everyday Humans 
well, I guess the um, the 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 clue is in the name. <laughs> so so I guess like I can tell you a little bit about who Everyday Humans is. Just before we get into Everyday Humans, I think everything that you said about your background, you've been able to really dip your toes. I mean, probably more than dip your toes. I'm sure you have a lot of experience in doing what you do, but you know, it sounds like you've had the experience in multiple industries. And I want to know a little bit more about your relationship with beauty, skincare, and how that really evolved to starting Everyday Humans, which is, you know, primarily you know, skincare, sunscreen, and really taking care of yourself in that way. So I'd love to get more of your background with beauty and skincare and how that's kind of evolved throughout the years. Sure. So I guess like um, I am in my late 30s. So back in the Nogtees, it's really <laughs> trendy to tan. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, in the era of like Paris Hilton and Britney Spears. So it's mm-hmm. not, the, not, not, not the most glamorous era, but I used to tan a lot in my teens. So now that I'm in my late 30s and really seeing, you know, the first sign of aging, I really genuinely wish someone had told me earlier the importance of taking care of my skin and what if, what that means is actually using the most vital weapon against wrinkles, which is actually sunscreen. And I think what's really interesting is that the education about preventive care was just not really there previously. And, and now, like, I think, you know, you know, moving on 20 years later, um, sunscreen has exploded in the past few years, but at the same time, you know, young people are concerned about what's actually in the formula, um, the related environmental impact. And I think more importantly, you know, authentic representation. And that's why I started Everyday Humans, which is a conscious and inclusive sun-led skincare brand that helps inspire Gen Z and millennials of all skin tones and types to wear SPF every day. So what the brand takes inspiration from is I mean, I, I personally really like the intersection between street fashion, mm-hmm. urban culture, nature conversation and um, experimental art. So these are all like interesting topics that really excites me. And it's, it also resonates with myself and many humans in the zillennial subset. So I guess like maybe what you would be asking is like, why should I wear sunscreen, right? So the sun's rate can take a really big toll on your face and the short term can really mean a sunburn. But the long term consequences can lead to premature aging and, you know, that kind of aging is called photo damage. So it happens really when UV light hits skin that has that's unprotected by sunscreen, which causes, you know, DNA changes at a cellular level. So because photo damage really damages your skin in the deepest layer, so it can really take like long time before the damage actually surfaces and become visible. So what we really wanted to, you know, educate people is that, you know, you should really use, you know, a broad spectrum SPF 30 sunscreen, which provides both UVA and UVB rays coverage for the face. So what we want to recommend is that at a factor 30, you'll be able to block about 97% of the UVB rays. And once you get to a certain level, there actually isn't that much added benefit to going into like SPF 60 or 70 or 100. Yeah, But I mean, of note, it's just really important to use sunscreen all year round because the amount of UVA rays actually stays relatively constant throughout the year. So meaning 
um, you know, even on a cloudy day, the sun's UVA rays may pass through the clouds. So mm-hmm. unless you're completely shaded, you still need sunscreen on a cloudy day. And if not, you know, like what UVA rays is, what particular ray does is that it penetrates deep into the skin. And that is the ray that leads to the sign of premature aging. Rather, UVB rays is where the factor shows you where, uh, on, 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 on how it's on a factor where, where like UVB rays is the primary cause of sunburn. So that is the outer layer of the skin that causes skin damage. So that's why we're like, okay, if it's cloudy and you don't wear a sunscreen, yes, you won't get a sunburn, but you'll still age. I'm really curious about something that you said earlier on when you were talking about how you started everyday humans, also keeping in mind different skin, skin tones, because for example, like I'm Filipino, I have a darker complexion, and I found all throughout my life, I don't burn. Like I can be in the sun all day, I don't burn, but I'm still obviously, you know, the UVA is still penetrating my skin. But I'm curious how different melanin levels play into sunscreen and sun protection. Like how how is it that, you know, some skin tones don't burn and some do easily burn. And, you know, what is that relationship? I know that might be a deeper topic to dive into, but just curious, like with people that do have darker complexions. I think like every, I think every skin tone is susceptible to photo aging, but it's just about how much photo aging you sort of sustain depend on how much unprotected sun exposure you've had over time. So mm-hmm. that's obviously in addition to your skin type, skin tone and geographic factors. So including, you know, like climates and so on and so forth. So in general, well, lighter skin is more susceptible to photo aging and skin cancer, but darker skin can also be photo damaged and develop skin cancer. But the more likely outcome is that the skin would de- develop uneven patches. So they have melasma. Right. So I guess like if you believe photo damage has symptoms like, you know, wrinkles, pigmentation, which is some sort of like age spots and freckles. And you have, you know, loss of skin elasticity, which is like not bouncing anymore, or like you have rough or uneven skin texture, or like, you know, maybe like broken capillaries, which is usually around like the nose and the chest area. Yeah. And also like sort of redness and blotchiness. So those are all sort of like symptoms of photo aging. Mm-hmm. I think too, what is um, really interesting is the difference between chemical and mineral. And I really want to get into that because, you know, I think there is a big misconception about in the market. I see a lot of, you know, talks about chemicals not very good for you, but minerals may be like a bit better for you. And I found that my skin specifically I break out with chemical sunscreens, maybe not all of them. I've, you know, only tried a handful, but I find that my skin really likes minerals. So I'd love if we could get into, you know, a high sure. level of the differences for people that don't okay. know. I mean, I guess like we'll talk about us first as like at everyday humans, we really believe in making formulas that make sunscreen a super easy part of your routine. So 
for, I mean, to choose between, you know, chemical and mineral, it really boils down, down to personal preferences and what type of sort of sunscreen fits your needs. And that's why we wanted to all, always offer both chemical and mineral. So it's so that you can have different preferences as mine. So a really, really quick primer, right? So what chemical sunscreens are is formulated with like so-called chemical or organic ingredients. What it does is that it works by absorbing the sun's UV rays and converting the sun's ray into heat and then releasing from the skin. So I know that you're, you're just mentioning the word chemical probably may ring some alarm bells, but actually like despite what you might've heard or read, it's, there's nothing inherently wrong with you with chemical sunscreens. They're actually super effective in protecting you from the sun. And it really gives you a lot of opportunity on the formula side to have innovation to be super light and airy. But the reason why chemical SPF has gotten a super bad rev of late is because actually a lot of the previous sunscreen has contained oxybenzone. So you probably gotcha. may have heard that, that chemical before, but it's a chemical SPF active that has been voted like a number one skin irritant and also considered a really big aggressor to the coral reefs. So for us at Everyday Humans, we've never used oxybenzone in any of our formulas and have always been oxybenzone and actually octinoxate free since launch. Now you, you ask us like, okay, what about mineral sunscreen? So mineral sunscreen, as you know, is also called physical sunscreen or physical SPF, which is actually made out of actives, including zinc, titanium dioxide, or a combination of the two, right? So this type of sunscreen, like, I guess like a lot of people think that it's just like, oh, it's this on the surface. No, what it does is it, it's, it actually sort of absorbs around 95% of the UVB rays and reflects some of it back. So this formula, you know, this kind of act is generally, you know, these sort of like a white and pasty kind of vibe. But of mm -hmm. course, you know, like in, in recent years, we've come a super long way that, you know, mineral sunscreen can actually be really sheer and can be yeah. blendable and it can work for a, a variety of skin tones. And mineral sunscreen are better suited for people with, let's say, skin that is prone to sensitivity. It sounds like you may have some uh, breakouts, so you probably are sensitive because it sits more on top of your skin. So but if you're really into something that's really lightweight and actually, you know, or you do a lot of sports, you sweat mm -hmm. a lot, then actually mineral SP is not really good for you because it really traps sweat. So I guess like in the end of the day, it really boils down to your personal preference. So like what format? I mean, I personally, you know, I, I'd use both because like when I do sports and I'm sweating, I definitely prefer chemical sunscreen because obviously the SPF level is a lot higher and it's water resistant. On an everyday level, you know, I would wear, you know, some on some days, if I want to like combine it with my makeup, I would use chemical. If I want it just on an alone kind of basis, I would use minerals. So it really depends on the type of activity you're doing, what kind of skin types and really, you know, like formats you like, let's say textures or finishes that yeah. you like that you prefer. So, I mean, in, in on our sort of standpoint, we really believe in like sort of striking a balance between, you know, safe, of course, and efficacious and like a good sunscreen that works. So that's sort of like how we formulate. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, absolutely. I was always, you know, I always had that, I guess the bad rep of chemical and I never really knew like as to why a lot of people were saying that. So it's really interesting to get your take on it and to understand the differences of who and when you would use the two different types. Something that I also found interesting, what you said was, you know, 20 years ago, you wish that you had known about sunscreen. And it's just crazy how growing up, it's not really something talked about. And I think now, like you mentioned, a lot of people are talking about it. You know, there's 
skincare routines that people will comment and say, oh, you don't have a sunscreen in your routine. And it's just, you know, it's there and people are aware of it. And I admire that everyday humans is, you know, quote unquote, the sunscreen choice for Gen Z. When it comes to talking about like reapplication and how many times, I think that's a question that a lot of people have, especially the younger generation, because they don't really know and they don't really talk about it. So when it comes to number of applications per day, what would you say is the rule of thumb? I mean, the recommendation is to reapply every two hours, but of course that is not very uh, practical, right? Yeah. So what we believe is that, you know, if you're sort of on an everyday basis, like you're kind of indoors or you're like maybe going for brunch later on, I think just wearing, you know, sunscreen in the morning, combining with your s- cosmetic routine, like that's sufficient. And of course, like if you know that you're going to have, you know, more sun exposure later on, I think putting a top up so you can just sort of have a little tube going on and just, you know, dab it on top of your makeup so that, just in case, like if you know that you're going to be in a sunny spot, like that will work out. But of course, like when you're doing sports, I think it's really important to reapply every 80 minutes. So I personally reapply every hour if I'm on the beach, just so because I know that, you know, what how uh, sunscreen actives works is that once it gets exposed, you know, um, or like being applied and absorbed, it degrades over time. So mm-hmm. what happens is that, you know, while you sit in the sun for like multiple minutes or multiple hours, the SPF level, you know, uh, you know, goes down in value as time goes by. So what you really wanted to do, hence people recommend, um, you know, experts recommend to reapply every two hours because so that you'll always maintain the SPF level that's advertised on the bottle. So let's yeah. say it's SPF 50, two hours later, it wouldn't be SPF 50 anymore. So what you gotcha. want to do is to keep the FF 50 level, then you reapply every 80 minutes. Let's take a break to talk about today's sponsor, Anna Luisa. Ana Luisa features high quality jewelry pieces at affordable prices starting at $39. What I love most about Ana Luisa is that they're carbon neutral from their packaging all the way to their products. I've been thinking about what to gift my mom this Mother's Day, so this couldn't have come at a more perfect time. Ana Luisa is having a buy one, get one 40% off sale. So treat your mom and treat yourself with new jewelry pieces from Ana Luisa. Go to shop.analuisa.com slash in our network to shop the Mother's Day sale. As always, you can find all of the links in the show notes. Now let's get back to the episode. I'd love to know a bit more about what sets everyday human apart. So I guess like what sets everyday humans apart. So we like in a sort of in an elevator pitch style, like we are a pro planet sun-led skincare brand. And what we wanted to do is to help inspire Gen Z and millennials of all skin tones and skin types to wear sunscreen every day. So how we do that is that we have our hero product, which is called Resting Beach Face, which is a uniquely lightweight sunscreen and sunscreen and serum hybrid that combines really amazing sun protection with added skincare benefits while being as earth friendly as possible. So we are actually the first certified plastic neutral sunscreen brand. And what we are aiming to do is to make sun protection a non-negotiable step in everybody's routine and do it in an inclusive and sustainable manner. So that's what we do. 
I love that. So I know you mentioned the Hero product, but what other products are there in the line? And, you know, what can people expect or what is the one product that you would say you want people to try first? I think Resting Beach Face would be yeah. the, the cult favorite, <laughs> the bestseller, because it really is, you know, um, a two-in-one solution that saves you time. You know, it has hyaluronic acid and pentavitin, which is really good for alleviating dry skin or like mm-hmm. reducing the appearance of fine lines. It has antioxidants like spinach and green tea, which like helps to repair sun damage for like skin luminosity. And it's really genuinely lightweight, it absorbs like no tomorrow. So you can put <laughs> it on top of your makeup and it gives you this beautiful, healthy, glowy complexion. I'm wearing it right now. So you can see my, I mean, not that glowy, but like I have my little glowy skin yeah. going on. <laughs> and it's also anti-pollution. Um, so, you know, like if you are worried about like urban pollutants and so on and so forth, like it's a really good protection against that. So it's also housed in a 35% post-consumer recycled tube. And um, we also come with a trial size of 15 ml as well. Wow. So if someone wanted to get their hands on everyday humans, I know you mentioned Target, um, but online, does everyday humans ship internationally? Yes. So we are on Amazon. We are on Shopify. We ship to Canada, if that's what Yay. you're asking. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and we are working on retailers abroad as well. So we're actually in Sephora, Asia. Uh, in, oh, wow. uh, in Europe, we are in Beauty Bay and uh, and we're working on more retailers abroad. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte, for providing more information on everyday humans. I'll definitely be linking everything in the show notes so um, everyone can take a look there and find where you can get everyday humans. I also want to get into your experience navigating the industry. First and foremost, like as a woman of color, I think it's really inspiring to speak to other women that are really succeeding in the industry, but also, you know, keep in mind everyone else in the industry. Like you, um, like you were saying, you created everyday humans with people in mind, with people with all skin tones in mind. Um, So I really appreciate that. And I'm really interested in knowing more about your experience navigating really the recent explosion in the demand for minority owned businesses and, you know, how over the past, I would say like two to three years, how that has been for you? Okay. Well, I mean, given that I'm actually not from the U.S., neither do I live in the U.S. anymore. (laughs) I've always actually been a minority slash outsider. So I think that's an interesting perspective to begin with. So when I pre-launched Everyday Humans back in 2018, and um, what I did was I actually exhibited at my first beauty trade show in New York. I realized that, like, I quickly realized that my perspective in skincare was super different from what I saw around me. So SPF in in Asia, it's a non-negotiable step. I mean, we avoid Asia. In Asia, we (laughs) avoid sun like the plague. It's like a normal thing to do, you know? But it's interesting to see that, you know, back then, it's not a habit that is, like, widely adopted in the U.S. So, you know, while I was trying to understand what's going on around me, and I was actually speaking to buyers and explaining, you know, hey, you guys need to wear sunscreen every day. A scout from Target approached us and asked us to apply for their accelerator program. So I think, you know, six months, I mentioned to you, six months after launch, I was accepted to their incubator. And I was actually like one of 10 people that got into the program. And I was the only Asian and the only SPF brand in the program. So getting into that program really gave me validation that we were doing something that really hasn't been seen before. 
So what we'd really do is like making an SPF that is inclusive, that speaks to many and a brand that is really designed from a perspective of a minority, right? I think the use of sunscreen is now super prevalent and it has exploded and everybody's trying to do it. But I really believe that, you know, in the end of the day, authenticity is what will set us apart. And I'm just really excited to know that, you know, there are more and more retailers and more and more companies um, uh, and media actually putting a spotlight in us. Uh, and you know, I mean, we don't, uh, outwardly advertise that we are a AAPI brand, but I think it comes from sort of the genesis of like the name of the brand, Everyday Humans. So yeah. I think it's really nice to know that the authenticity really shines through. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that proceeds from the oat milk lip balm does go towards Asian Mental Health Collective, which, you know, I think is really great and inspiring, especially, you know, given the recent you know, news over the past few years with, you know, Asian attacks, I think really focusing on Asian mental health is something that I really appreciate about the brand. So, you know, what has your experience been with really just giving back to the Asian mental health collective and knowing that, you know, you were able to do that with your brand that does focus on inclusivity? I guess it's like, maybe I'll tell you a story why I decided to work with them. So, yeah. you know, like when we were developing our lip balm, you know, um, I, we were actually developing it back in like early 2021, but I don't know if you've heard about the supply chain crisis, so, yeah. but like everybody couldn't actually manufacture or like ship things in time. So it really turned our plan super upside down and like, it was meant to be our only new SPF drop for the year and it was meant to launch in the summer and it was postponed by like more than six months. So wow. I was freaking out. So my, my mental health like took a bashing cause like I was looking at other brands, you know, other cool brands dropping new and exciting products. And we really just had to, we had everything ready, but like we didn't have, you know, we couldn't get the products in, in into our warehouse. So we could really only like wait helplessly until we're yeah. ready for launch. So I think, I think a lot of, you know, other founders resonate, but like the pressure and sort of the insecurity is really real, um, especially in entrepreneurship, because you're like looking at other people, you're comparing yourself and you're really harsh on yourself. And I think like I really wanted to support, you know, any any kind of mental mental wellness collective and specifically Asian mental health, because it personally resonates with me to really like normalize and destigmatize mental health. I mean, especially for Asian communities, because you're not supposed to air out your laundry. No. Like it's not an Asian yeah. thing to do. And you need us, you're supposed to keep everything in and just like, you know, power through it. Yeah. But, you know, I'm still working through my own issues. And I think, you know, as we, you know, in this generation, there's a generational, I think there's a generational and a cultural shift in many Asian families for now. Sure. And I really hope that, you know, like, you know, maybe like 20, 30 years ago, you just keep it in, just move on. But now I think, you know, you're able to actually, you know, do start a conversation at least. And I, that's why I want to hope to be able to support by, hey, you know, all it takes is just a small act, you know, or that you have, you know, collectives like Asian Mental Health Collective to be able to show you that there is another way to to to, to help you through your mental, uh, mental, mental health, you know, um, journey. I really love that because, you know, what you said really does resonate with me too. And just knowing that, 
you know, when I was growing up talking about therapy and, you know, finding a therapist, I think my parents would probably look at me like I was crazy. Exactly. <laughs> and, it's like, oh, you, there's something, you're not, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> We're not paying for a therapist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. go fix your own problems. Oh, I was like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, I really, I really love that. And it's really inspiring that everyday humans is giving back in that way. What can we expect from the company in the coming years? I really want everyday humans to be a um, top of mind conscious brand for our demographic. So our Zillennials are 25 to 35 year, years old by having a really awesome assortment with a really, I really want to, I believe that, you know, we will be able to build a community of loyal customers who, who genuinely believe in our vision and mission. And um, so then it will allow us to do really creative you know, and innovative things within our category and beyond. So we have actually a lot of exciting launches this year. So I can't wait till I unveil that to you. I don't want to tell you too much at the moment, but our team is continuously innovating and, you know, in our affordable planet-friendly skincare space. So what we wanted to do is to, you know, um, to sustainability is such a big part of our brand. Like what we wanted to do is to build, you know, like really good formulas that also include, you know, sustainable manufacturing practices and ingredients that are eco-conscious and that are sustainably sourced. And what we really wanted to do is to achieve and exceed our plastic reduction goals. So tons of stuff coming up. The, the next launch is in February and then our next one is in April. So you'll see what we're working on. Yeah, that's so exciting. And, you know, congratulations again on getting into Target in, I guess, next week on, I think it's on Monday. Yeah, it's next week. So that's super exciting. And then you mentioned that was a pinch me moment for you. So, you know, are you able to share the process that it took to get to that place? I know you mentioned that someone approached you at Target um, to join the accelerator, but actually the process of bringing your products to the physical stores. What was that like? It's a really long process. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I was really fortunate to go through the accelerator and then after the accelerator, we're like, wow, you know, we've got quite a lot of things that that needs to be sorted out. So we took a year to rebrand, reformulate and reassess like what's important to us. And since Target is such an important retailer uh, in our in our sort of um, roadmap, we decided to really design for them. And I think one of the Mm -hmm. major things that we learned is that we need to make sure that our, you know, our products are shelf ready. So there's a lot of details see brands out there that you know design stuff that looks really cool and like really exciting in a very intimate sort of environment so if you're like receiving a box you know like yeah you're really close to the product so and 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 I think it's a very different kind of excitement that you need to uh, portray but when you're on shelf like you don't have that um sort of environment where you have your social media your cool yeah. website with like things flying around <laughs> so mm-hmm. um so the environment's really different to uh, resonate or at, at least like attract the attention of a consumer so imagine you're walking around target you're like maybe just picking up milk and you're like maybe walk by the skincare out uh, oh, you know, on your way to checkout, right? So you need to actually have, you know, packaging that really stands out and sh- mm-hmm. and that's, we call it shelf ready. So a lot of DCC brands realize, you know, you're, some of the callouts is so small that you can't see it. You have to really sit there and read it. So there's yeah. all these like learnings that we had on like, just on sort of like um, doing our visual merchandising and actually figure out how the packaging works so that it works in that kind of environment. So I think that's that's sort of like something that we learn. And 
um, because of the, uh, the work that we've done and we sort of presented our uh, brand again, the target, they realized, wow, you guys made such a huge amount of improvement just to mm-hmm. be able to get to us. And so we launched online with them back in March, 2021. And within sort of like uh, under under a year, like we were able to actually get into stores. So it's pretty exciting to see that, you know, they're very supportive and they, they really sort of champion, um, you know, minority owned and also sort of like Gen Z or Zillennial brands. So it's really great to know that, you know, we, we are able to navigate that space and get the buyer excited. Yeah, that's really exciting. And, you know, I've obviously seen the packaging for everyday humans and, you know, hearing about how the team has really gone out of their way to be shelf ready. I understand, you know, that idea and how that correlates with the packaging because the packaging is really bright and really like when you see it in Target or on a shelf, like your eye will immediately catch to everyday humans. So I really love that. First and foremost, you're keeping in mind everyone, every skin tone, giving back and really just continuing to evolve the brand. So I'm really excited to see where Everyday Humans is in the next few years. And I'll definitely be keeping an eye out on all of the launches this year as well. The last question that I had was talking a little bit more about how you've navigated the industry and advice that you've been given or continue to take with you as you know, you've evolved as an entrepreneur. Um, I think like everybody have their own pace. So what we, us at Everyday Humans, we're all about sustainable growth and not breakneck growth. I think yeah. I did mention to you at, when I was telling you about what my mental health situation for Big Mood, it's like, it's really easy to compare yourself against others. Mm-hmm. And, but you need to take note that I think someone has told me like an, a really good advice is like, don't compare your, you know, your, you know, kindergarten years to someone who's in college, because like the, you're sort of compares comparing apples to oranges right so Mm -hmm. if you know uh, I sometimes compare myself with you know VC backed companies with a lot more investments or they're like way far ahead in terms of years of development so you know remember that you know you know you are enough and you know you just like take it one day at a time and just try to be able to focus on what you have at the moment and not be distracted by competition yeah that's really great to to kind of remind yourself, because I think it's easy for everybody to do just that, to compare themselves. So um, I really appreciate you sharing that advice. And I just wanted to say thank you again for joining the podcast. I'm so excited to share more about Everyday Humans and to try it as well. Um, So like I said, everything will be in the show notes. Um, I'll be linking everything for you as well so that everybody can find you on social. But yeah, I just wanted to say thank you. It was such a lovely time chatting with you. Thank you so much, Kayla. That was awesome. Mm -hmm.